Did you know that Nika AATC offers self-paced online courses on a growing range of topics aimed at helping you improve health outcomes for people with HIV? These interactive courses can typically be completed in about an hour and cover multidisciplinary topics such as smoking cessation in people with HIV, geriatric assessment and integration and models of care, managing difficult behaviors in HIV care settings, and using Zoom as a virtual workspace. Self-paced online courses are offered on RISE, Nika AATC's online learning platform. Courses are designed for healthcare providers providing patient care for people with HIV, including physicians, physician assistants, nurses, pharmacists, case managers, outreach workers, and other disciplines. To explore online courses for HIV care professionals, navigate to www.nikaatc.org slash rise-courses. That's www.nikaatc.org forward slash R-I-S-E dash C-O-U-R-S-E-S or click the link in the podcast episode description. Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Braitman. Today, we're sitting down with Dr. Marshall Glesby to talk about some new data on a gene editing technology being tested as a way to try to cure HIV. Marshall is a regional clinical director for Nika AATC, an associate chief of the Division of Infectious Diseases and director of the HIV Clinical Trials Unit at Weill Cornell Medicine. Thanks so much for being here again, Marshall. Thanks, Mariana. It's good to be here. So I read an article in the lay press recently about a gene editing approach that's being tested in people with HIV. Can you tell listeners a little bit about all this? Sure. There are some intriguing, but really very preliminary data from an ongoing phase one slash two trial that were presented in late October at the European Society for Gene and Cell Therapy annual meeting in Brussels, Belgium. But before we get into the details of that trial, I think we should first uh, talk a little bit about the technology that uh, is being used. You've probably heard uh, that the FDA approved the first genome editing treatment for sickle cell disease uh, just in early December of 2023. And this uses something called CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing system. CRISPR uh, stands for Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats. Uh, which is obviously a mouthful, and, and CAS is CRISPR-associated protein. So everyone just calls it really CRISPR usually, or CRISPR-Cas9. While HIV is not a genetic condition, unlike sickle cell disease, HIV does incorporate itself into our DNA. So scientists have studied approaches to try to cut out the viral genetic material from our cells in an analogous way to how this CRISPR technique can be used to edit genes. And uh, it's kind of interesting, this CRISPR system actually naturally occurs in many bacteria as a defense mechanism against uh, something called bacteriophages, which are like little viruses that can affect bacteria. And this Cas9 protein that's a part of the system acts like a very specific pair of molecular scissors that can be directed to cut and edit almost any gene uh, in the genome. So this uh, Cas9 protein can be introduced into uh, a cell with a, a guide RNA with a specific sequence that 
guides or directs where the Cas9 protein, the scissors, will make a cut in the DNA. And uh, Cas9 binds to the guide RNA and, and scans the cell's DNA looking for the specific sequence that it's focusing on. And if all of the DNA bases in the cell match the guide RNA's targeting sequence, then Cas9 will cut both strands of the DNA. And then the cell has uh, natural systems that repair the damage by joining the two free ends of DNA back together again. So essentially it's cutting out uh, the gene. And in fact, the Nobel, Nobel Prize in Chemistry in 2020 was awarded to Jennifer Doudna and Emmanuel Charpentier for uh, discovering and, and studying this uh, CRISPR system. So there's a company, uh, in a small biotech company in San Francisco called Excision Biotherapeutics that has produced something called EBT-101, which is an HIV-1-specific CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing system. And it's delivered intravenously through an IV by um, something called an adenovirus-associated virus vector, specifically serotype 9 or AAV9. And this AAV9 is used for other gene therapy approaches because it can deliver DNA, but doesn't actually replicate uh, as a virus inside of the body. So it, it uh, is the, uh, essentially a, a method of delivering DNA. So this EBT-101 guide RNAs target three sites within the HIV genome, and then the whole CRISPR-Cas thing does its, does its thing. Can you talk a little bit about the design of the study that was presented in Belgium? Sure. Uh, so this is an ongoing first-in-human, open-label, sequential cohort, single ascending dose study. So what that means is there are groups or cohorts of trial participants who will get increasingly higher doses of this EBT-101 if it's shown to be safe in the initial cohort or cohorts of participants who are dosed. It's being administered intravenously to approximately nine people, nine adults with HIV who have undetectable viral loads on stable antiretroviral therapy. And they have to have CD4 counts of at least 500 copies per milliliters and be generally healthy. So on day one of the trial, eligible participants get a single IV dose of this EBT-101, the HIV-1 specific uh, CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing system. Uh, and uh, all the participants are monitored carefully, and if their viral loads remain undetectable, then they undergo what's called an analytical treatment interruption, or ATI, at week 12, meaning that they stop their background antiretroviral therapy, and they're just followed for up to 48 weeks for viral rebound. And this, is a, this analytical treatment interruption is really a common way now in clinical trials to assess whether a person can control HIV without antiretroviral therapy for a prolonged period of time due to an intervention. And this would be indicative of the efficacy of the intervention that's being studied. So in this case, the EBT-101. So what did the researchers find? Well, Mariana, they presented safety data only on the first three participants who completed dosing of this EBT-101. And uh, they did not find uh, any serious adverse events or uh, major toxicities. There were four mild adverse events or side effects that may have been related to the therapy, including two people who transiently had elevations of their liver enzymes. 
They were able to measure this EBT-101 in the blood of all participants four weeks after the infusion, and uh, apparently was not measurable in semen. Uh, and then given these results, the company is moving forward with dosing additional participants with a higher dose. All right. So it sounds like it was safe. Did it actually do anything to eliminate HIV from the body? Well, uh, they didn't actually present any of the efficacy data, and they're apparently waiting for the third person in that initial cohort who was dosed to be followed for a longer period of time. There are some interesting um, animal model data, though, that uh, I think uh, suggests that this approach has the potential to, to be uh, efficacious in people. There's uh, a person named uh, Dr. Kamel Khalili at Temple University who actually founded this company, Excision Biotherapeutics. And he previously reported preclinical studies that showed that EBT-101 could remove HIV proviral DNA, the DNA of the virus that's integrated into our DNA, from multiple cell lines, as well as uh, the genomes of genetically engineered or transgenic mice. And then there were subsequent proof of concept studies in rhesus macaque monkeys who were infected with uh, something called simian immunodeficiency virus or SIV that's related to HIV. Uh, and these studies show that a single IV dose of EBT-101 could remove proviral DNA from the genomes of blood cells and other tissues uh, known to be reservoirs for the virus. They did necropsies or essentially autopsies of the treated animals and showed that this CRISPR had uh, cut the SIV DNA out of blood, spleen, lymph node, and lung cells. So really pretty wide uh, distribution and um, suggestion that, that there is potential for efficacy. And they did not find any uh, off-target effects in animals, meaning some sort of unexpected toxicities uh, due to other uh, effects of, of the uh, uh, CRISPR-Cas9 system. This all kind of sounds like science fiction. Are there any safety concerns about giving this type of therapy to people? Yeah, great question, Mariana. You know, I think the main risk is that there is potential for uh, CRISPR-Cas9 to make cuts in the wrong place that could lead to mutations in our genes. And depending on whether they occur, you know, where mutations occur, certainly could uh, promote tumor growth, that sort of thing. So there is that theoretical potential. Some people remain skeptical. This is not really a, a, a safety concern, but some people remain skeptical that CRISPR could ever hit all of the HIV-infected cells within a person's body, um, which I think is a, a reasonable concern. And uh, really to monitor for long-term safety, participants in the study we've been talking about will be followed in a rollover study for up to 15 years and they'll be seen twice a year for the initial five years and then annually for another 10 years. I think the FDA generally requires really prolonged follow-up for any type of gene therapy uh, intervention. Is this technology being developed to try to eliminate any other viral infections? Yes, the, the company um, that developed it is actually um, has a preclinical development program. So before it goes into people, that's focusing on uh, several other viruses, herpes simplex virus, uh, hepatitis B virus, and um, something called JC virus, which is a virus that causes um, a condition called PML or progressive multifocal leukoencephalopathy, which can be a, a devastating um, brain infection in people with advanced immunodeficiency, including AIDS or sometimes people who've received uh, transplants. 
So there um, is potential for this technology to be applied to other viruses, and the company is starting to study that. As we begin to wrap up, what else do HIV care providers need to know about all of this? Well, clearly there's a lot more research that needs to be done in terms of safety and potential efficacy of this gene editing approach for HIV. We really can't conclude much from very preliminary data on three people, but it's really, I think, a baby step forward showing at least short-term safety uh, in a very small number of people. There are other potential ways to use this type of technology, like cutting out the CCR5 co-receptor that's used by HIV to enter cells uh, with an attempt to try to render cells resistant to HIV. And this is similar to what was done by stem cell transplantation in the six people who uh, thought to be cured of HIV at this point. So it's really an exciting time in the field and stay tuned for an update when more data become available. Marshall, thanks so much for joining us and telling us all about this latest research aimed at eradicating HIV. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika AATC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nikaatc.org. That's www.necaatc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaatc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at nikaatc.org. Stay safe, and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.